a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back. 137. My apologies. I, uh, I had planned on speaking with Senate President Stuart Adams. Uh, he, though, had let me know that there were a lot of moving parts in the day. And so uh, when the, the change came there at the last minute, uh, that's, that, 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 was, that was expected, or at least uh, the expectations had been managed. Uh, so we'll look for a chance to speak with the uh, Senate President. Maybe we'll uh, catch him on Monday, get a look back on how he thinks uh, things went in the final moments, the final day. Uh, right now we're in the final hours of this general session of the Utah State Legislature. I can remember during the uh, the 2010 general session, uh, I was uh, I was working uh, across town at another radio station, and uh, my hours were such that I, was work- I worked real early in the morning. And my hours were such that I you know, had most of the day free to do whatever I wanted. And I was, I was taking some college classes at the time, and at one stage had a, a, a decision to make, and it was, do I look for uh, an internship during the day to satisfy a certain requirement I had to fill, uh, or do I stick to my normal uh, course load? And I had heard that that Utah offered, the state of Utah, specifically the legislature, offered uh, a, a fascinating internship program. And it was uh, the opportunity for, dur- during the 45 days of the legislature, you serve right alongside the, the elected member uh, of the either House or Senate. And so I... I thought about that, and I uh, ended up speaking to a handful of legislators. Ultimately, uh, I found myself speaking with uh, then-Representative Carl Wimmer. You remember uh, Carl Wimmer? He represented uh, a portion of Harriman, and he's since gone on to, to other things. And In fact, I think he he was in law enforcement, and uh, he got back into law enforcement after his time in the legislature. And I think, if, I, if, I, if memory serves... He is uh, uh, he's retiring from law enforcement. Maybe maybe this very weekend. Anyway, uh, I I was in contact with then Representative Wimmer, and he said, "Hey, you wanna you wanna work as my intern?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, very much so, absolutely." And so it was that for forty five days, eleven years ago now. Well, that makes me feel old. Uh, for forty five days, I worked as an intern. Another intern there working alongside me, Candace Perucci. Uh, that's a name you have likely heard if you follow the legislature closely. She uh, uh, is one of the youngest, if not the youngest, representative on Utah's Capitol Hill. She served as an intern for the representative who uh, then represented the district she represents today. Her, her, her story is uh, a phenomenal one. Uh, she has a wonderful family, uh, and any chance I get to uh, to share that story, I will. Uh, but the reason I bring up this internship at all is... You end up with uh, an understanding 
of how this legislature works. And more than that, you get to know people like uh, Kurt Oda, the representative we spoke to just a, a moment ago, and all of the others that we have had as guests as this, uh, on this program. And you learn that they are not the stereotypical politician who is portrayed uh, in the media and in movies. No, for the most part, these individuals are uh, earnest, hardworking uh, family men and women who have set aside their you know daily job, you know their day job, uh, to serve very selflessly. They they are there is some compensation, but it is. I mean, I listen. I'll put it to you this way: uh, I years ago worked uh, at McDonald's. And I was my my first job, in fact, was it was at McDonald's. I, I <laughs> to get there, I didn't have a car yet. I was trying to save up for one. I would cut down through the trailer park, go through the right right aid parking lot, cross Route 408, and walk in and work at that McDonald's for uh, you know a handful of hours each day. Well, if you were to take my very much part time wages all the way back in like 2002, when minimum wage then, at least where I was, was five, I think fifteen. Yeah, even that paycheck, what I was able to bring in, was probably more than what the representatives who serve in Utah's Capitol Hill are bringing down. All right, uh, so, so so don't think, don't think that they are at the trough, as they are up there. They they are rendering a service, regardless of how you feel about their politics. They are rendering a service, and you, you may be a little too old for an internship, but you might have a child uh, or a grandchild who, I don't know, enjoys following the news, enjoys following current events, stays up to date as best they're able to on politics, a good experience for them, I promise you, uh, is to con- connect with your local legislator and and see about serving as an intern up there. It, in all honesty, my 45 days spent up there may very likely have steered my trajectory for uh, the last decade or so. The, the the process is a beautiful one. The deliberations that happen when an idea is formed in the mind of a legislator and that idea turns into legislative text, a bill, it gets a number, it gets debated. It's changed and tweaked a little bit as compromises are made or better ideas are introduced to the conversation. And then ultimately, elected officials, elected officials, elected right out of your neighborhood, people who may be in your carpool uh, tree together, are up there working on your behalf. It's a, it's a truly beautiful thing, and it can set you up uh, to make lifelong friends. Uh, and have experiences that will stay with you for uh, a lifetime. It is also into a it is also a window into what a very special place this great state of Utah is. This is a different and special place. It's not the same as other states. The legislature on Utah's Capitol Hill is not the same. Now you, you'll you'll notice I haven't brought politics into any of this, and really uh, my praise for the legislature is totally absent of politics. Uh, there are individuals on both sides of the aisle who deserve the type of praise that I am heaping upon uh, the, the legislature at large right now. 
Anyway, uh, I, I've been rambling. Um, the, the point I want to make is if you have a youngster, if you have a, a youngster who is making some decisions about life and they've got any kind of political inclination or uh, even if they don't, uh, set them down with their local representative if possible. Uh, maybe explore an internship. Uh, but there is great wisdom and there is great salt of the earth people up there. Uh, and hey, looking to their example and their advice can only put you on a good path. Anyway, uh, there's my ode to the Utah State Legislature. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, uh, we are, unless producer Amy tells me different, about to speak with uh, Speaker of the Utah House, Brad Wilson. We're going to talk to him on this, the last day of the general session of the Utah State Legislature. It's uh, tonight by about midnight. they got to wrap things up and a handful of bills still to get through. Uh, we'll touch base quickly with the speaker next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Ten minutes before 2 o'clock in this force march towards the weekend. Today, don't forget, today is the final day of the Utah State Legislature. You heard me, at least the general session of the Utah State Legislature, you heard me in the segment prior going on and on about uh, how fond I am uh, generally of those men and women who step up and seek election by the members of their community to go up and serve uh, in the legislature. I had a unique experience back in 2010 as I served as an intern. Uh, I bet you a handful of you uh, listening as well, I'm sure, have had a similar experience. Um, and uh, we are, <clears throat> we're, we're now facing the end of, uh, of this session. And uh, it's, it's a time to uh, look back over what's been accomplished, and it's a time to uh, look forward to see what the what life will be like here in the state of Utah after all these uh, laws take effect. Uh, or who knows, maybe it'll be the repeal of certain laws. Anyway, uh, to give us a good look at uh, things from his vantage point is the Speaker of the Utah House, Brad Wilson, who joins us now. Uh, Speaker Wilson, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Lee. How are you today? I'm all right. Uh, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm thinking back to the the night that I spent as an intern during the you know the the waning moments of the the late night voting and and wrap up of the legislative session back in 2010. Uh, kind of nostalgically, I uh, th- those late nights with the uh, you know with the soda pop, trying to stay awake, getting all the work done. Uh, it's a there is an electricity and excitement there in those in those final moments. I'll let you think things go tonight. Well, no later than midnight, um, but <laughs> we might get done a little early. I kind of doubt it. Uh, we've got a lot of work still to do between now and, uh, and the time we adjourn. And Lee, I'll just make this offer now. If you want to be my intern next session, okay. uh, we'll, we'll take you. Okay, very good. All right. All right. Uh, I, I will be there. If I can pass the, the security check and get a badge, I will be there. <laughs> uh, the other day here in the newsroom, we were chatting back and forth uh, about like how is this session to be defined? If you think back on uh, years past, there have been you know either themes or single bits of legislation that kind of uh, rise to the surface and define or at least uh, make up in large part uh, you know the conversation about that year's legislative session. Is there anything like that this year? Has there been a defining theme uh, or, or or something from this legislative session that will stand out down the road? Well, I think that I would say there's probably two categories. The first is I would say it's just been a very unprecedented session. We've had unprecedented access for the public, being able to participate from an online standpoint or in person. 
Um, I have never been, this is my ninth year in some kind of role in legislative leadership. I've never seen a session where the governor's office and the House and the Senate have worked so well together, just in sort of an unprecedented way, uh, that, that type of cooperation. And and also, it's been an unprecedented amount of, of money we've appropriated uh, into infrastructure and the, mm. the needs of the state this year, including public education, um, a record high investment of new money into public education. So that that's probably one you know, one category. But I would also say that we are in a very unique position as a state. Uh, we're coming out of the pandemic uh, here, hopefully very soon. And um, we're in such a such a unique place and an enviable place relative to the other states in the country who don't have the same prosperity we have and are not able to probably do many of the things that we're doing. And so our role up here has been grappling with how do we take advantage of this unique uh, strength we have and try to make the right decisions to, to, to move in the right direction? And that's really taken up a lot of the conversation here over the last 45 days. Mm. Uh, you, you talked about one of the defining elements of this session being the like the unified front uh, or at least the collaboration between uh, yourself, the, the Senate, other agencies, and in particular the governor's office. Uh, do, do you think that is the the result of the personalities involved, the staffs, uh, or is it the high stakes of this, say, COVID-19 pandemic, just demand, demand collaboration and results? I think it's both, to be honest. Um, you know, 2020 was a really challenging year for everybody. I don't care what type of, of work or life situation you were in. It's It's been a tough year. But one of the kind of elements behind the scenes up here at the Capitol has been we never stopped working last year. Um, and uh, and it forced us as lawmakers and the governor's office, and we have a new governor, but he was the lieutenant governor before, to just work really well together all of last year. And I, I think there's definitely some momentum that carried forward into this session. But there's, I think, also a high degree of commitment to, to make sure we get it right. And uh, and so that's good. And, and Governor Cox is a different personality than his predecessor, who, you know, Gary Herbert's a good friend of mine. Spencer's different. Um, and he, because he was a former lawmaker, I think is uh, just more inclined to really engage with lawmakers if, if he needs to. And um, he's done a lot of that this session, more than, than we've seen in a, in, in a long time. I think that's going to serve him well as governor. Uh, I think the state also wins uh, when that happens. But um, uh, it sounds like we're, I guess maybe we're still in a honeymoon phase and, until he vetoes a bunch of our bills in a month. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it has been it has been very collaborative. You, you have any veto fears? No, no. We, we, we always kind of know there's some coming, and that's part of the process. And uh, you, after you're up here long enough, you don't, you don't worry if you're – bills pass or fail at least you don't keep score and we don't keep score with the governor either we just do what we think is right and move on to the next thing i do want to ask you uh, about one piece of legislation in, in particular uh, one put forth by representative paul ray dealing with um the the end game uh, essentially uh, this uh, hb 294 uh, it passed uh, the the house just two days ago yourself voting for it uh, it now sits in the senate rules any, any predictions on how that goes uh, essentially the, the bill that would uh, end 
all of the precautions that have been put in place during this pandemic uh, should the state meet certain benchmarks or we reach uh, July 1, whichever comes first? Yeah, um, well, some inside baseball. I actually was just over in the Senate talking with the Senate president about this. I think they'll hear that bill later today. Uh, They may make a few changes to it, but the intent of the bill, I think, will remain in place, which is to provide clarity to everyone about what we're measuring to end the pandemic um, uh, and who makes the right decisions about masks and restrictions on the economy. And um, the governor's office, again, uh, has been working with us to try to find some common ground there. Uh, we're all aligned in terms of, of that objective. We're still working through, I think, a few of the numbers and what that means. But but I think it will uh, probably pass tonight, and uh, people will kind of be able to hang their hat on something about, all right, this is where we need to get for restrictions to be lifted, and, and here's who's going to make the decisions um, about uh, masks in, at the county level or the state level and, and, and go from there. I have one of the questions that I have asked so many times of so many uh, individuals in charge of, say, schools uh, or you know other positions of authority to make policy type decisions and determinations uh, in our battle against this COVID nineteen. I say, what, what are the what are the benchmarks? What are the numbers that we need to hit to you know return to some semblance of normalcy? And it is always a bunch of hemming and hawing and, and tap dancing, and I, I never get. Uh, a straight answer. And this uh, bill, as it spells out the the specifics, would do just that. I I used the analogy yesterday of, uh, you know, measuring the distance from where we stand to that light we see out at the end of the tunnel. This gives us, this gives us those measurements. This gives us uh, a clear understanding of how far we are from the situation in which we find ourselves now and the hopeful return to normalcy, uh, which is out there on the horizon waiting for us to enjoy. Uh, all right. So thank you so much for the, the conversation there, Speaker. I think we lost him. You heard that noise there. I think we dropped. Oh, we've got <laughs> we, we, back, we got you back. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, listen, Speaker Wilson, I'm grateful to you for your time. You've got a lot of work to do, so I'll let you get back to it uh, and uh, have a Diet Coke for me or whatever keeps you awake at night. Hey, thanks for all you do, and uh, we look forward to catching up after the session. So Very take good. care. All righty. Uh, a quick break. When we return after the news, we're going to have a look at the top two at 2 o'clock, the top two news stories here on Live Mike coming up after the break on 2 o'clock here at KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.